All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back. Night two. It's a, a another special edition of the Illuminati podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Bond, joining alongside me, Seth Varnador, Robert Stieg. Boys, it has been one hell of a day for your South Florida Bulls. Head coach Alex Golis uh, came through with a quite possibly one of the best transition classes I can remember in recent history. Um, now, don't quote me that it's the best transition class, but holy cow, it, things couldn't have broken uh, any better for for Golish and, and his crew as we uh, wrap up the national signing day here uh, this evening in Tampa. Seth. First thoughts out of the gate. How impressed are you from this by this staff of that uh, they were here for what basically a month and a half and what they were able to do with this this uh, first class of theirs? Yeah, I, we talked last night in our preview, kind of what we thought a successful day would be. I thought just getting some of these big names on campus was a success, and I felt that if they got one uh, one of the guys they were targeting today, it would have been a successful day. Um, they got two we talked about last night that we thought pretty good, and, and they also got one of Sean's dark horse candidates. So they really went kind of three for four today. Um, Riles was the one, the lone guy that they didn't sign that they seem to be targeting today, and he was the guy that we kind of knew that was coming. So to close on the other three, um, really successful day. And then when you kind of look at the kind of the last week in total, uh, I think they saw, they got five five or six guys um, in the last week, uh, all pretty good players. Um, we talked about them last night. We'll talk more about the guys that signed specifically today a little bit more, but it's a really successful day, uh, really good close, strong, strong finish to a first class. Steve, what about yourself? Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a culmination of – the hard work that this staff kind of put in for the last two months, really, I mean, from the get go and Golish really touched on it was, you know, from day one of coming in and, and all the work that he had to do on top of, you know, having to build the staff and having to, you know, get support staff in place and have exit interviews and, and talk with these guys and continue relationships and everything like that. You know, you had to bounce recruiting at the same time and they did that very effectively, you know, and, and it's, it's strange to see the dynamic of which goal is chose to kind of attack this and to work through what were perceived problems by the previous staff was that, you know, during that transition period, it was like, okay, we just got to get these guys in. Like we, we have to, we have to, you know, just, they had like a checklist. We need two wide receivers. We need a quarterback. We need a running back. And it just kind of went through that of like what your typical class would look like. But instead, Golish, you know, told the media and told everyone today that, you know, when he got this, he he looked at the scholarship distribution by um, by position and saw that there was only seven scholarship offensive linemen on the roster. And I think that was probably his wake-up call of, of recruiting was like, oh, shit, like we had guys leave. And that's the main priority is replacing those guys that left. And you can see that in how the class was built out. You know, I think there was 22 offensive guys, uh, six defensive recruits, and then two special teamers. And for most USF fans, that's not where you thought that the distribution would go. The offense was really good last year. The defense was really bad. You want to replace guys on defense. But in actuality, they lost all 
basically notable contributors off that offense from the offensive line to the receivers, some running backs and everything. So if you, if you think Brian Petit out, Xavier Weaver out, Jimmy Horn out, they had to go out and they had to find someone to replace them. Naquan Wright in Jaquan Smith in uh, Tyree Kelly in like you had to replace those before you could even start assessing your own roster. It's, it's amazing how they did that in such a short period of time like that. Right. And we, uh, we kind of talked about it last night uh, prior to Golish's press conference, obviously is, uh, there was that article, I think it was Andrew Irvin's. We, we mentioned that, you know, eight of the top 11 primary starters or contributors on defense are back and you, for how bad the, the defense was and, uh, you know, there, there's the clip going around. Oh, they were 130th. No, they were actually 131st, but who's yeah. counting? Um, he forgot about James Madison. That's all right. Yeah. A lot of people did. There's, you know, who 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 cares? Uh, 31st, uh, 34th offensively in S&P Plus, uh, if we're yeah. just going straight by the numbers. But you can't process out, press up, process out an entire defense in one season. You, you just got to kind of take your lumps, hope that there's an improvement even if you go from 130, what, there's two more FBS teams now this season? Yeah, I believe so. So by all intents and purposes, go from 133 to like 115 and almost maintain offensively, I think you're in a better position. I'm not – we've talked about it ad nauseum throughout. Basically, the entire precursor to the 2022 season was just don't be god awful on defense and they actually went backward they got got so they got so much worse all you've got to do is just not be the last hashtag not last it worked for baseball why can't it work for football's defense and it wasn't like they were last by a little bit you look at some of these advanced stats they were off the graph <laughs> compared to I mean, literally so low uh uh you know in a strata all by themselves i i thought before we kind of get the players i really if you guys haven't watched Golish's press conference today i thought it was really interesting um really informative to the way he's thinking about things and he strikes me as a guy that's he strikes me as a smart guy first of all and he also strikes me as a guy that's really confident and and thus is has a plan and is really confident in in his plan uh the way he explained it today was interesting um i I, and i also thought he kind of addressed every issue people seem to have um with uh with kind of the the way they went so i thought that was really interesting I can throw up some clips if we want to. I've got some timestamps of some stuff where I thought he said some interesting things. Um, yeah, absolutely. All right, so let me get that. So we'll we'll throw up some clips of him from today. Um, I'll answer a, a quick question real quick before we kind of jump into that. Is is actually no, because it's going to be more long winded answer. Go into the clips. The on three and twenty four seven. That one. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so here this is a, a first clip where he's talking about kind of their process because everyone's kind of like, what? They're only got signed six guys on defense, and he kind of addresses that a little bit here early. Let me put the volume on. Portal coming up end of April, beginning of May. Um, I'm excited about that period because portal coming up end of April, beginning of May. Um, I'm excited about that period because we would have gone through spring ball at that point and had an idea 
of what is available, what is left, and honestly, what our needs are. Um, but we've got we got a bunch of guys we've added. Uh, it's been been. So I thought that was kind of an interesting that he's he's already got, and this is something we if you're on the Discord, this is something we kind of surmised that listen, they're going to take what they can get quality wise in this first group. If they find a guy that fits defensively, they're going to take him, but they probably want to see how some of these guys look in spring before they start going filling scholarships. So, and that kind of he seems to be of the same uh, mind. I think he kind of says something about that about here ish. Uh, the spring uh, transfer per- uh, portal period will allow us to then actually say, scrap the numbers. Don't worry about the numbers. Where are the actual holes in terms of where we're not good enough? Because 130th in the country would not be good enough at this point. So, where are the holes to take us from 130th to better? Um, and then figure it out from there. So that was kind of he he talked initially, like Steve was saying. He the initially he wanted to make sure he kind of had some balance in terms of scholarships, in terms of uh, position specific numbers. Like um, the comment we have here, he mentioned something about they they have fourteen safeties on the roster, scholarship safeties on the roster. They have seven linemen when he came in. So I probably, and I think he said it would be malpractice or some negligence, I think maybe in the word he used, to recruit more safeties when you've got that many on scholarship right now. And uh, Seth, how many how many safeties play? Um, it depends on, on if you call a nickel a safety. Probably no, but typically two. And uh, it would be downright criminal if you only had seven offensive uh, linemen scholarship players, correct? Especially going into a spring football period where you'd like to have, you know, at worst, and this is at very worst, like we could probably barely practice with 10, you know, two full teams. You you need to hit that threshold. Um, so, yeah, so there, there are things like that where – that's kind of why he's not has not gone to that defensive um kind of the defensive thing or, or yeah and he says something here too that's interesting it, it, before you uh click on that and start it there's also the piece on defense where and we we've talked about it it it, it would be a legitimate excuse if jeff scott hadn't wasted and used up all of his excuse making is the defense was so atrociously injury plagued last season yes it it, you're forcing walk-ons to actually, you know, play. You brought in a guy basically off the street, um, the dude who played at Armwood and like bounced around, uh, Jabril Glaze, who, Glaze, who yeah. was a commit like in 20, 2010. Or I mean, it, he was so long ago out of the re- recruiting cycle. He, he just – you had to bring bodies in at some point because you miss out on two guys who couldn't get qualified – academically or couldn't stay in class uh when they even got on campus so now you're scrambling around and then injuries start piling up Rashad Cheney you you lose Rashad Cheney who was basically your best interior defense alignment uh for the season you lose a bunch of guys Dwayne Balls missed a bunch of time Antonio Greer missed time with an injury and then his father died the the secondary is beat up so if you're goalish coming into spring ball you're at least like all right, if we're healthy, it can't be as bad, and we'll plug and 
play on this side and see what's what. And then we'll use the, the second transfer portal period as a fix. But as we've mentioned, man, it, the offensive side of the ball was just kind of decimated by graduations, transfer portal, you know, Jimmy horns uh, over in Colorado, <clears throat> Xavier Weaver still out there doing his thing. Hasn't, found a home yet but he's in the, at, the phantom zone right now he's in the phantom zone right now he but he is um at auburn you know dustin hall's at duke so you, you're trying to figure it out i think they're what christian helms or someone is at middle tennessee holden willis holden, holden will holden will christian helms can't he came back right yeah he came back christian oh christian he's helms back baby back. yeah thank you thank god <laughs> um chris carter's at Tulane, so you're, you're missing a bunch of guys on the offensive side of the ball so you have to replace those and i think criminal downright criminal is not a strong enough statement for what this offensive line room was going to look like going into spring if they didn't address it and even said as much we're still not the number i want for offensive scholarship offensive line we're still under that threshold yeah and on the defensive side of the ball todd orlando so if uh, again, this is a great one here. This is on the USF Athletics YouTube page, but they also have interviews with Todd Orlando, um, uh, Gordon, Joel Gordon, and Golish just in the indoor facility, just one on one interviews and talking to them about signing day. And Orlando's was kind of interesting from this angle as well. He basically said, We came in, we watched film on everybody. And we kind of saw, okay, what do we have to like? What do we have to have to run our defense? What else, what do we need more of or better of immediately? And that was like ends those hybrid linebacker defensive end guys and some corners. I think he said, "Yep." So what they go out and get in the portal initially for guys that could come in and be in the spring? They went out and got Lloyd Summerall and uh, Harris, right? The guy from Texas, and they went and got mm-hmm. some corners as well in the portal. So they address their immediate needs in the portal, and then they're going to kind of see what happens in spring. And then if they have more needs after seeing the guys in the system and saying, okay, this guy really can't do it, uh, then they're going to go back out. So that was something I thought was interesting with all kind of the hand-wringing about the defensive recruiting. There is a plan seemingly in place. Uh, They just got to execute the plan, but this has been thought out. Right. And Golish said it during the presser at some point, I don't remember when, essentially saying like, you know, at this point, you kind of had two options for how you were going to deal with the defense, knowing what it is. The first one is you you basically get rid of those guys, you process them, you turn them over, whatever terminology you want to use while you're also having to replace guys on offense at the same time. So you're having to just really just hit it a lot harder or you can let it play out. I mean, these guys are division one athletes for a reason. Every single one of them, regardless of your thought about the defense last year, these guys are able to play division one football and were recruited to play division one football. And they kind of hinted at it, that it might've been a scheme problem last year for the defense on top of not being healthy. And so, you know, what if it turns around and says, Oh, well, you know, a a guy like, you know, CJ Ross, really works well in the system or a guy like Deontay Hunter, you know, Nick bags, uh, gaining some weight and putting on some pounds, you know, you have talent on that front six, seven, however you want to categorize it, but you didn't have the immediate edge rusher, like outside linebacker hybrid position. And that's why they only went for those two. 
they probably feel like they have one guy on the roster already that can kind of fit into that scheme as well. But I mean, there's no reason to make a problem if you don't have a problem yet, I think is the best way to describe (laughs) that issue. You don't have a depth problem. You have a full like three deep for your entire defense right now. Don't, don't make a problem out of nothing. Make a problem out of it after if you know it's a problem. Yeah, at this point, it's a qual. It's not a quantity issue. It's potentially a quality issue, right? But mm-hmm. he kind of intimated that he wants to see these guys doing what they want them to do before he's ready to throw them out, basically. So I, I think that kind of that kind of goes to um, them, like you said. Let's maybe the, it was a scheme issue, or they weren't put in the best positions last year by the staff he wants to see them doing what they do and then they'll make that determination so wanted to address the defensive side of things because i know people are freaking out about it but there seems to be a plan and it seems to be a well thought out plan um i marked this clip down as well let's see what it is i looked at true scholarship numbers to start literally the day we got here in terms of how we were allotted in terms of how i wanted the roster to be built and saw where the immediate holes were just truly numerically. I didn't look at statistics, to be honest with you. I did have an idea. I was being sarcastic. I actually knew that. So um, when you looked at the numbers of the holes we had to fill, for example, the number of O-linemen, right? We signed eight, and we're still under where we should be. Um, So the reason for that being you're just short a bunch of numbers, like – like we had seven scholarship old linemen here, right? Which is actually criminal in every way you can imagine in on December 3rd when we got here. So <laughs> you had six scholarship receivers after the changeover in, in guys coming and going um, just philosophically what the offense was, you know, um, like defensively we have 14 scholarship safeties. So when you, when you build uh, a roster with 14 safeties. You know how many safeties can play at the same time? Two. That would be complete negligence in terms of trying to recruit to fill a a roster. So when you looked at pure numbers, like the starting point was recruiting the numbers to fill the scholarships. Um, with the focus being don't just fill a scholarship to fill a scholarship. Make sure that you're getting guys that you know are either A, ready-made starters, or B, guys that you can develop to be ready-made starters. So that B, key, and also, God, he's so fucking charismatic. He really he was like, is. I was, actually, I was actually being sarcastic, you fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and then oh I gosh. think uh, I, I, the other concern that I've seen uh, is regarding – where the recruits are from this last cycle. Cause this last, the, the, the February signing window, I don't think they signed a single pl- player on scholarship from Florida. Right. I mean, if you want to count Jaquan, <clears throat> I don't. Uh, he was, nope. he's originally from Florida. Right. That's he right. High school. He played high school in California. He's a, he's a Cali yeah. kid. Yeah. Now from Bradenton, the nine, four, one. I coached a kid named Xavion Smith at Palmetto that ran a 10-400 meters. I wonder if they're related. So, okay. 
I'll have to figure, I'll have to do some digging on that now that I know it's from Bradenton. Okay, uh, this is where he talks kind of about the geography of the. You class. bring a staff in from all over the country. Um, <laughs> ties were just so everywhere um, that that's why the class ended up how it ended up. We were able to finish um, on a handful of guys here in the last couple of weeks, which I thought was huge. Uh, being able to get a big time, big time quarterback to finish it off uh, was really, really big. A um, couple of couple of other spots wide out to finish that off uh, in the last couple of weeks with a couple of guys that we think are true difference makers, being able to get, get the old lineman um, as of Monday um, and Drew Perez was really, really big for us. Um, and then we got some, some spots. We feel like we have holes to fill here at the end uh, in April and May, but I told the staff again this morning, I think we're going to be better than we think um, in terms of what's here. There's a bunch of guys that didn't play that are going to have a, their shot with a clean slate this spring. And like I said, I think that the, when we go recruit in the spring, that'll be the first time we feel like we actually truly know what we have. And so you can really laser focus what you need and um, and go attack it. So that's – And then for the last clip I wanted to play was uh, – Steve spoke about the charisma. The opening line of the press conference uh, was just excellent. All right. Um, well, super exciting. We've got <laughs> just it, it's it's the cool history teacher. It's the cool <clears throat> history teacher vibe. Yeah. Uh, well, super exciting. That sounds He's, like I was up there. I know. I mean, I, I was like, man, Seth, are you sure you're not Alex Golish? It's uh, it's the he's the cool history teacher who lets you like sneak off campus and go grab McDonald's because you were running late for for first period. That's absolutely the vibe he gives off. Um, let's kind of uh, let's dissect or at least talk about. I mean, I think the two big guys that we need to discuss uh, that signed and committed today um, quarterback Israel Carter out of California, uh, Izzy Carter. He's, a, by all accounts, um, a top-notch quarterback. And we we talked about his his film. If you're watching on Twitch, I mean, good <laughs> God. If you're watching on Twitch or YouTube, you just saw what we saw, him hurling a uh, defender in the open field for a touchdown. And he's got a pretty good arm uh, to boot. And the beautiful thing about this is I didn't know the connection is Hendon Hooker and Izzy Carter's QB coach are the same person. They're one and the same. Uh, so as Hendon Hooker preps for the NFL and uh, his next step in life, uh, he's out in California uh, training with the guy who's been training and coaching Izzy Carter. So you get the, the connection there uh, with Hendon Hooker being able to tell him, okay, this is what the offense looks like, and this is who Alex Golish is actually like. Um, and Golish kind of talked about that today. Like, I I wish I could lie to him, but we were 1-11, <laughs> and our defense sucked, but offensively we're all right, and this is who I am. I mean, this guy's ridiculously fast. Holy crap. Yeah, um, he's got a great tape. That's what I don't it, it really seemed like that this was a guy that Golish would have liked to recruit to Tennessee, but kind of, you know, ended up getting the number one quarterback in the country instead. So uh, but it seemed like this is a guy he's had his eye on for a while. 
I thought his story about recruiting him was really fun and kind of showed something of the staff. Basically, when he first got the job, he reached out to him and he didn't really, he wasn't, wasn't really having him. And he kept reaching out to him, kept reaching out to him. And then finally, around Christmas time, um, after the change had been made in Arizona State, and it, they probably, uh, you know, he probably realized that they might be trying to process him out. Uh, they started talking and they were able to get him on campus. Now, we, now I think we've got definitive proof of what in and out Alex Golish was at. Right, oh, I, think that one, I think that's confirmed. This is the oh, most yeah. ridiculous clip on the thing. This one here. Let me run this just for a The running back's not slow. This is. I think this is the most ridiculous clip on the entire tape. If we can stop and watch this real quick. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty nuts. So. The goalish basically kept working him, uh, got him on campus, and then like like you were talking about, Nate had that Hendon Hooker co- connection where he could say, "Hey man, ask him." Like I can't, I can't tell you we're going to do this, this, and that. You can ask the dude right here, and he'll tell you. I can't really, you know, I'm not going to be able to to fake you because then you can just ask Hendon Hooker and he'll give you the truth. So um, that was a nice, interesting wrinkle and a good story, kind of a, being persistent and not being afraid to go out and take a shot at this guy. This is this is a yeah, big fish, absolutely. by the way. This isn't this isn't like you know, oh, you know, three star quarterback. Like this is this is a dude. This is an like I, I don't know how he's only a three star. I've I, I've scoured how the rankings are are tabulated and everything. <laughs> I think this, he's like this guy I think like he's like four. five ten would be my guess. Yeah, there's there's something that these sites don't like about him. I, he he's he's so freaking good he fits every bill that you want in a quarterback and there's flashbacks to 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 the great quarterbacks that usf has had with how efficient this guy runs a dual threat offense i mean it's it's so great and he comes from a power program too like he like i feel like that's you know part of it as well centennial is not like a joe schmo school out in california this is one of the top public institutions right. out there and he was you know leading this team week in and week out and and he was also a guy, and he was also a guy that was willing to split time. Mm-hmm. There was another quarterback there as well. So, you know, the fact that he was willing to do that shows like a good team player as well. So there's some there's some really good stuff here with him. I think oh, and his work ethic too. He, yeah. They talked about how he's like a consistent learner kind of thing. I think he probably knows, and I think it was probably, you know, the expectations were laid that like, hey, Izzy, we don't expect you to play next year. But we expect you to play for four years here, kind of thing. Yeah, and yeah, they got it. He's listed at six one, but I'm trying to figure out why he's not a power five. You know, why he's not a power five guy. So my guess would be watching this. Maybe he's a little bit shorter than he's listed. Could be. Get those extra tall uh, cleats on him. Yeah, <laughs> but I it's he's in the twenty four seven composite. He's the thirty third ranked quarterback. On three's got him as the 20th ranked quarterback in the country. And we talked about this last night, Steve. On in the on three rankings, he's the highest rated quarterback commit in the state of Florida. Florida yeah. State's was 23rd, Miami's was 33rd, he's 20th. So according to one recruiting site, this is the best guy in his in his school in the state of Florida signed this year. How about that domino effect, by the way, of 
Jaden Rashada. <laughs> Rashada to Arizona State. I mean, because that's, that's basically what this boiled down to was, was you know, and I, I read a little bit about Izzy and his situation and everything and his commitment to Arizona State this entire time was very driven on the fact that he knew that, you know, Arizona State was going to bring in some transfer quarterbacks and everything. But, you know, for Kenny Dillingham and, and his staff, you know, they felt like, you know, this was a guy for them. And then the Jaden Rashada thing happened. Rashada said he wanted to stay closer to the West Coast and Arizona State stepped in. And frankly, if it's, you know, Rashada or if it's Izzy Carter, I mean, statistically, you're probably going to go after Rashada if you're Arizona State. And that's probably where USF kind of slid in and was like, hey, <laughs> you remember me? I've been DMing you for the past two months. <laughs> and even I, th- I think even if you don't think, you're like, okay. <clears throat> excuse me, they didn't really beat Arizona State for this guy. You did have, like, a Tulane program that got him on campus that really wanted him that just won the Cotton Bowl and beat USC. So you're able to go in and at least beat them out um, and get a really productive player. Yeah. I mean, if, again, at, when he signed, he was the highest-ranked recruit in the class. He's the highest-ranked quarterback USF has signed since Quentin. Um, and keep in mind that was about 10 years ago. So the recruiting rankings have changed and adjusted and, and whatnot. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt as well, but you know, by all indications, phenomenal, fucking phenomenal. It was, it would have been the gym would have been like just the, the cherry on top of the day. If, you know, another guy didn't sign. Yeah, and I believe he's only thrown two interceptions in his career, at least the last two seasons. He's only thrown two interceptions. Oh, yeah. Um, really, really ball. interesting player. I, yeah, I, I'm when I first threw his tape on because I was like, okay, um, you know, USF's watching me throw. You saw that. I was like, okay, this guy can throw a little bit. You know, it's not, it's pretty good looking stuff. All right, let's throw on his film. Maybe he's just like a runaround guy or something that's learning how to throw. No, man, this dude can play. So I, I was shocked that this was an option, and the fact that they closed it uh, is a really good sign. And I think it also goes to show how this offense, if they can kind of approximate what they were doing at Tennessee, the style of offense, and you know, this is why when they were looking for a head coach, we talked about finding a scheme guy because then they can recruit to the scheme which is something they've been able to do. They recruit guys that fit their scheme. But also, if you have this kind of fun, big-time scheme, guys want to play in it. And and that's kind of what he said. Is Izzy Carter wants to play in this offense. And that's what kind of attracted him to it. So, Oh, yeah. That's, you know, if you can kind of approximate that, I think you're going to be able to get skill guys left and right on the offensive side of the ball. No shortage of it. And they're not, uh, they're not slowing down trying to get go after big fish either. No, absolutely not. And uh, I think a, a guy that he's going to enjoy throwing to in the in the future here is uh, Jaquan Smith, who um, signed and committed earlier uh, Wednesday and then officially announced later in the day. Uh, Izzy Smith is fast. Uh, Jimmy Horn was fast. Jaquan Smith is uh he, he may be able to he may be able to go plaid. <laughs> uh this dude boot scoots and boogies if we're if we're gonna be real here. Uh let's take a we'll take a quick look 
uh, at his tape. And I did read somewhere, I think it was Rivals, um, that he may be able to run track at USF as well. So that is also an added bonus. um, Because, I mean, to be fair, the track and field is getting better. Crossing country is getting a little bit better. uh, But the actual running part of track has really kind of failed usf's been decent in the last few years at the field part but the actual running around the track has been a little difficult um so uh, it'll be it'll be an added bonus um i think the re- really being able to reload the weapons and th- as as we've talked about seth as we led up to today <laughs> um they like verified speed it certainly seemed like it, right? A lot of the guys, even the PWO they got from Lehigh is a 10, 900 meters guy. So a lot of the offers, you looked in their profiles and they had track times. And so they're going after verified speed, which I think is is smart. And that's kind of out of the, I think it's something out of the Saban tree that's kind of trickled its way throughout. It's just like, let's get that verified speed number and and the if they're not, I think they're getting they're doing a pretty good job of doing like height, length, verified speed, which is kind of um, that was kind of Saban's big recruiting thing. That's kind of seems to, there there's there are some teams that that's how they recruit is height, length, verified speed are kind of the three of their biggest measurables they like to look at. And if you're watching uh, this clip we, is absolutely some, ridiculous. By we've the way. got some verified speed here. Just go back to this for a second because that was like Jaquan's film is is some of the most ridiculous film that I've seen from a high school prospect in a long time. But this play in particular is just absolutely stupid. First off, that corner is playing at least 17 yards off of him. <laughs> I mean, because he can blow the top off. Yeah. Three guys surround him and he blows past them with no added effort at all. I mean, it's just ridiculous how, how good, how fast he is. He's strong as hell too. This isn't like a, Oh, he's just, you know, a, a fast guy and, you know, can't break tackles or anything like that. Like they had him playing running back and just running him up the gut. Like it became a affectionately what I call the Derrick Henry Yuli offense where, <laughs> you know, you have this guy that's really fucking good. If you should, if you can just get the ball in his hands. So the quickest way to get the ball in his hands is just snap it to him. Like surprise, Um, you know, I I, I know and I I don't I don't like to compare, you know, guys from that left and and what happened and everything like that. But for USF fans, the immediate draw is, you know, oh, shit, we lost Jimmy Horde, our speed, like our speedy guy. We lost Brian Matee, our our speedy running back. Like we, we lost speed there. And then you just replaced him like that with a guy who's verified faster than both of them. And bigger than both of them. <clears throat> yeah, he's a he's an interesting pro- another guy that had some big offers that for whatever reason seemed to be slipping through, and and they were able to go in and snag him. So another great job identifying a guy you could go get, and then getting him on campus and and closing. Because I mean, the the final three was Utah, Washington, and USF, and USF gets the player. That's pretty good. Yep. And we don't even need to pretend if uh, Utah and Washington were still in it. But four years down the road, 
no one will remember that uh, maybe maybe he wasn't a take at the other places. Or that's what Utah fans and Washington fans will tell themselves as he, he goes he for fifteen hundred yards next season. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. Um, I do know that we had some questions. Uh, we asked some, for some questions. Um, we did have one, one more. We did have one more player. Oh yeah. T- t- Tyree, how could I forget? My bad. Tyree he was Kelly. the he was the dark horse that nobody nobody mentioned. Andrew Ivins didn't mention, but our very own Sean mentioned last night. This is a possible flip candidate. I want to just mention though, real quick, so that it's it's not lost in the shuffle. I tossed that name out there two days ago oh, in the Discord. And I said, just tossing this one out there because I'm seeing some tea leaves. Look at you. Look at us. And you and you you beat out your old OC for him. Fucking trick it. Stuff I need to, Travis into a locker. Do I need to put that up? Do you have it? <laughs> I, can, I can get it. Uh, the old OC. What'd you do to him? Stuffed him in a locker. Mean. <laughs> I mean, that's such oh, good man. for us, but man, that, that felt good. Yeah. I feel bad. It's like, you know, the, the, the what what meme is it where the guy's like holding the gun and is like crying like because he got about to shoot him? Is that from <laughs> is that from like juice or something? I don't I don't I honestly guy I've, I've never seen the movie. I just I know the meme. Oh, is it Wesley Snipes? Crying? I think it is, is Wesley one? Snipes. <laughs> yes. It's like if we had if we had sent that out publicly on Twitter, um, that was going to be my that was going to be my response. But like, this is how I felt approving That's this one on the Twitter. <laughs> That's how I felt copy and pasting it together. <laughs> All right, let's get to the player that he got stuffed into that locker for, Tyree Kelly. Interesting. So, I call him Tyree. <laughs> His yeah. mama named him Tyree. I call him Tyree. He's Tyree. Uh, I thought interesting before we get to tape, some of his numbers, if these are accurate. Um, 6'3", 190. He looks kind of that big on film. 13 uh, reps, 185. Pretty good for a, a, a taller, thinner receiver. Um, so he's got some interesting weightlifting numbers. So he may be a guy that's strong. Um, he went to the FSU Elite Camp. Uh, Bud Elliott did a write-up, and he included him as a guy that performed really well. In his write-up, he kind of thought he may turn into a tight end um, because he's got such a big frame, and he's not crazy fast, um, but it's hard to tell. If you go look at his junior tape, he looks slower than he does on the senior tape, Um, but he's a big, tall guy that's pretty smooth. He doesn't look real slow. Like he does, it's not it's not like people are really catching him from behind either. So this guy's six three. Seemingly does a pretty good job going up and getting it. And he seems to run away from people in Georgia. Get off me. Pretty good right there. He also a little, a little just, high if you want to stop actually, uh it's gone there now, but we we have to address the elephant in this in this room of Cairo High School Syrup Makers is like is it. the name of this school, which 
he if if you could guess it if you could believe it he is not the first cairo syrup maker to attend the university of south florida he joins a legacy the stephen bench legacy of syrup maker oh, usf yeah. bowls i mean bench was impact. bench was impactful um that dude uh, great, great guy. Love Stephen Bench. I think he, the few times he was on the podcast, gosh, this was been 2016. And he, I think he wrote for us a couple of times. The insight that he has on the game of football uh, is, is next to next to none. Um, it, it's pretty great. And, uh, you know, I'm glad we got another Cairo dude. Hopefully he's as fun. He's got a fun highlight tape, that's for sure. He's uh, also plays basketball, plays center for the basketball team. So he's in there down low, banging for rebounds. So I think he's got some physicality. So he's not just kind of a, a flash guy. You see a nice hands catch there and then just that smoothly pulling away from people. So a guy that uh, kind of a late riser, seemingly. How much did that cost to get syrup makers? Across the end zone. That's a lot. That's a long name. Worth every penny. <laughs> every every cent of that is is absolutely worth it. Oh, so. I just got corrected on something. Oh God, I I should have known this actually. Um, thank you uh, to to the person that just told me this because he will remain anonymous for my own sake. It's Cairo, not Cairo. Okay, so I heard I heard a guy on the news say Cairo, and I was like, is this guy wrong? So I just tried not to say it. No, um, it, it is K. Rowe. He is right. I should have known that off the top. Well, that's not as cool. I don't want these. I don't want the people from Georgia upset with me. Oh, you got a little safety. I mean, I don't think they need any more safeties. Apparently, but there's if you need one, there's a little film right there. <laughs> Fifteen safeties on the <laughs> roster now. <laughs> just just in case you need one more. But yeah, no, I don't. I think Andrew. I think you're right. Oh, I like that. Uh, he doesn't have to have verified speed if he's like you can have different body types. I've heard people say you want it like a basketball team. You want to have uh you know you want to have some big power forward type bodies, you want to have some smaller guard type bodies. Um that's kind of the best receiver rooms where you have the smaller quick guys, you have some bigger guys. Maybe they're not super fast, but just gives different looks to the defense. So yeah, I'm not super worried about his speed. Um, because he's a big guy that goes up and gets it, and he doesn't look stiff. That's the other thing. Like USF's got some bigger guys that had speed, but they were super stiff in the past. I'm thinking of that 2019 team. Like you, you had guys look like they were made by Boston Dynamics, trying to trying to stop and cut. It was, <laughs> it yeah, was he's got fluid. <laughs> it was, yeah. So he's a bigger, more fluid guy. So I, I think. Uh, even without the verified speed, at least it's a little bit smoother than uh, than some guys that may be faster but can't really get in and out of breaks. So a nice late addition there. And I think he was the only other one to sign today, right? Yeah, you had guys like um, Gerald Ademo and, and we, uh, we Perez. And if you guys want to see their, their film, we talked about them and showed film and watched them last night. Uh, so check back through the archive here on YouTube or Twitch, and you can see that. 
Yeah, I think it was only those three surpri- surprises. Um, yeah. They were in it for uh, a couple of other guys, but I, I don't like Desario Riles, like you mentioned, and uh, late, uh, late, late uh, DJ Holmes out of Pahokee. Uh, but I, I think the staff knew that, you know, those guys were both reaches. Uh, Desario went to Indiana and, and um, DJ went to Ole Miss. So I think they kind of knew that they were out of it from the get go. So they weren't too terribly concerned. And like I said, they've already addressed what they felt like were the immediate needs on defense. Um, both of those guys were, were defensive linemen. So, you know, they would have been nice to have, but not need to have in this, in this case. Yeah. Yep. Um, let's, uh, let's answer some discord questions. Do let's a little rapid fire. We swore we wouldn't go long tonight yet. Here we are 45 minutes in <laughs> typical, typical us. Uh, or t- I mean, we just try too hard. We can't help it. Yeah. We could have right. just thrown up the film, talked real fast and been out here in 20 minutes, but I just like looking at Seth. It's just not our nature. I mean, I get that for sure. Um, let's see. Uh, from the Discord, um, this is from uh, JFlow. Do you predict any of the new freshmen being significant contributors this season? And then there's a follow up, but let's uh, let's hit this one first. Uh, any freshmen being significant contributors? Uh, my first guess is Jaquan Smith. I think That's, he's yeah. probably the guy i would reckon is um probably best in line just by sheer uh numbers they've got to throw it to somebody yeah and i think he's got a skill that's instantly translatable it's, he's already got elite speed that's that translates right now so that's something and, and uh yeah and he could return kicks so i think he's probably def- I i think he would be the guy I would pick as well, I think, and was in the first signing day. I said the long snapper, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I think yeah. this guy could probably get on the field quickly. So, uh, well, and you know, Golish even addressed that. He's like, you know, it was a it was a round robin. I think is the term he used uh, for long snapper. So now he, you get one of the best long snappers in the country, in his opinion, uh, out of Cardinal Cardinal Mooney. Um, so Colonel Gibbons. Cardinal Gibbons, excuse me. Goodness gracious, we are just atrocious at high school. Terrible. You're thinking, of, uh, you're thinking of your boy, the 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 walk on quarterback. He's from Cardinal Mooney. Bulldog. Yep. Cardinals. He's mm, from Cardinal yeah. Mooney. There it is. Bulldog um, from Cardinal Mooney. Debuck de, de from Cardinal Gibbons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they did that on purpose. Yeah. Um, but Steve, you agree? Jaquan, or I mean, is there someone else? Yeah, I, w- I was trying to think of like maybe like Jarvis Lee got on the field a little bit. I, I doubt they're going to throw like James Jenkins or Milakovic no. out there on the offensive line. Uh, the running back room is too loaded for Jalen Johnson to make an impact. And by God, I hope I love his. I love Izzy. Izzy's going to be fantastic. I hope Izzy doesn't play next year, unless <laughs> it's like fourth quarter and we're up sixty-five nothing, and we've already exhausted our other two quarterbacks. Um, but yeah, I mean, a wide receiver is that position that, you know, if a guy's going to make an impact on the field, it's going to be at probably wide receiver in some sort of capacity. Yep. Uh, and then the second part of J flow's question is, uh, also despite every position being wide open QB one for this year is probably just a battle between Bohannon and Brown. 
right? Um, we, I would think so. I think the the good sign for Gary is uh, Golish has mentioned him almost any time he could. He said that he was a fantastic recruiter for Izzy Carter, um, good host. And I think that's what you want from your older guys. Um, he's still rehabbing his shoulder injury. He's going to be out for the spring. So it's really basically a three-man three man weave, so to speak, through spring practice with Byron Brown, uh, Bryce Archie, and Gunnar Smith uh, with Trey Marsh. Um, still recovering from his neck surgery, uh, Gary with his shoulder, and then is he not coming in until uh, I think May 1st, I believe is what uh, Golish said um, Wednesday afternoon in his presser. So I think it's still 1A, 1B. I feel confident in either one of them. Yeah, I mean, that's – and I feel like it's going to be more open than than what last year's was. Um you know, I, I truly do believe that it was an open competition, but I just truly felt like one quarterback was significantly better than the other. And judging by what I've heard, the suspicions are true on that. So, you know, at this point, it truly is wide open because you you know what you're getting with Byron Brown. You know what you're getting with Gary. Both of them have cemented themselves into significant playing roles and everything like that. And I don't I think both of them actually want QB one and would be fine with QB two. And I'll end it at that. Correct. I think that's probably a good way to to put it for now. Plus, these things always have a way of working themselves out. Um, next question here. Um, this is from Drew Greenbull. How did the others in the new conference do after the transfer window, early signing day, national signing day? Who loaded up? What team should we be on lookout for? I know in the current iteration of the American, uh, without the new teams, SMU had a pretty good signing period. I think by average, I think they're the highest uh, in the conference. And then with the peop- the six teams uh, coming in, I think UTSA also had a very, very good signing period and they may be the top one overall. I mean, you can just, yeah, you get your mid three stars to stay in Texas and you, you're kind of okay. Um, yeah. On, according to on three um, there, I think they're one of the only sites that has the new AAC uh, just in terms of rank. There's they're kind of their sixth in terms of their rankings. Um in terms of average player, they're fifth, which is a pretty close to Memphis. Uh, yeah, just about the top, just about tied Memphis and Tulane for third. So they're in the upper the upper part of the conference, uh, upper half at least. Um, but that's according to on three. So that's one site. I don't know if that's their composite, but they do have it. They have. Um, I think they have. Uh, UTSA at the top, SMU, Tulane, Memphis up there. Yeah. Yeah, UTSA, Memphis, SMU, Tulane, Temple, and USF is their top six. But they're all – there's not – UTSA seems to be out in front, but, again, that's being able to recruit their area. But SMU I also, know, did a good job in the portal as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, SMU really benefited from – their head coach coming from Miami, where they I think they took like eight guys from Miami 
um, <laughs> but either the university of, or just the Miami neighborhoods in high school. So um, that's always a good strategy, uh, especially when the, the DFW area can kind of get overfished. You might as well, you know, go to a new pond and spark those relationships up a little bit. Um, I'd also like to give a special shout out to the guys from Charlotte. Um, Biff Pogi, is it Pogi or Pogi? I think Pogi. Biff Pogi basically walked into that Charlotte roster and said, fuck this shit. <laughs> <laughs> they they have uh, at the number, and I'm, I'm giving away private information from their uh, their side of things, but they have 37 guys signed, which is a lot. Um, they're, they have 50 total commitments. They're turning over essentially that entire team, that entire roster from like top to bottom. So I'm interested to watch what that team does. I don't know if it's going to be good, if it's going to be effective. They took a fuck ton of transfers, man. They took any and every transfer that they will Healy. What did you do? Yeah, seriously. Cause like, I mean, if he walked in and said, this shit stinks and, <laughs> and took out the trash. Like something's got to have gone wrong there. So um, that's just another interesting one to watch. But again, I don't know if it's necessarily good or bad to take 50 commits. Um, but I was really upset when they got the 50th commit, when the Charlotte 49ers went from 49 commits to, to 50. It was, it was upsetting. And I think it was a kicker too. It's terrible. Mm. Mm. Um, I saw a question up there. Um, let me see where I, can f- I just had it. Um, in the chat here, uh, from Nick, uh, sent man, I'm gonna Nixie. Uh, is is this class better than the class Jeff Scott would have had if he didn't get canned? It's tough to say. I will, uh, I, so there's only what seven D commits, um, I guess per 247, um, from, from this class. Uh, Anthony Miller, uh, Jr., the, the highly touted, um, tight end out of Georgia. He ends up at Indiana um, and his 87 overall would make him the third best recruit in the class, um, which is pretty good. Uh, Running back DJ Oliver uh, obviously went to West Virginia, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Connor Knight ends up at UAB. Uh, Daryl Sweeting ends up at Temple. Braden Ramey, I believe, is at FAU. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you could you could theoretically say two guys went up a up a level, and then everybody else kind of stayed the same. Is it that? I mean, that's pretty fair. I mean, everybody, everybody, literally everybody else outside of Miller and DJ Oliver, who. I think we can all agree USF was punching above their weight class on both of those guys. Those guys are going to be fun to watch in college, but everybody else was kind of in the same level. Everybody, literally everybody else is in the, in the new AAC. So there's that. Yeah. And if you compare it to last year, uh, four of the top six guys comparing to last year are in the 23 class. Michael Williams still has the highest overall rating between the two classes, but then uh, Eddie Kelly would be the other one from last year's class if we're talking about high schoolers. And then you'd have um, Jaquan Smith, Israel Carter, Jarvis Lee, and James Jenkins, and probably uh, 
Nikola Milovac as well. So yeah. really like five of seven are probably the top end of your class this year is a lot better than it was last year. Um, and it seems to be deeper. And then as you, as you mentioned, it seemed to be there, there are a couple pretty big names at the top, but then after that, there wasn't a ton. Um, so I, I think you're probably in a better spot now than you were and or would have been. Yeah, and and the thing, and um, I, I mean, know those guys may to... decommit if your coach wins one game. You know, they may decommit because right. you're probably going to get fired next year. So, right. But the the for the rankings and how they are versus this year versus last year, I think first off that there's like three guys that are still like not ranked fully, like Tyree Kelly and Keyshawn Singleton and someone else aren't like fully ranked. So that kind of takes like a notch down because those those average out at like a zero, um, technically they negatively affect. Um, but looking at Yosef's class last year, and the benefit of it was that the transfer portal rankings really favored USF last year. Um, regardless of your opinion on how you know Jeff Scott used the transfer portal to address you know immediate needs, you know, getting guys like Gary Bohan and getting guys like Rashad Cheney. Uh, Jatorian Hansford, you know, Yusuf Terry, like a bunch of other guys, like they all like recruiting wise and transfer wise were good. They were really good. And that's kind of the nature of how Jeff Scott was recruiting. And that's what they kind of really wanted. Uh, yeah. And um, Simmons still isn't ranked um, the transfer from. If Yeah. And the, if you're looking at 24 seven, like the overall class grade, um, they don't really. I don't think they count the transfers in there yet for USF. Because if you go look, if you go look at like the AAC team rankings for transfers, it's just high school kids. It's zero. They've got a zero, so they're 123rd in the country in transfers. When we know they've got some pretty quality ones that would probably put them at least middle of the pack. So, um, 24/7, I don't think has been updated, uh, at least on that end on the transfer side. So that could be deceiving a little bit and I'm not sure about on three, how updated that is as well. So I think it might this, if you're not, and I think somebody mentioned in here, if you're not like a, you know, one of these big sites, like the sec sites where people are paying a ton of money and really, you know, they've got a bunch of members or a big, big 10 school. Um, right. They're not in a super rush. They, they can kind of lag on uh, the smaller site. So, it, the ranking may lag a little bit behind and we may kind of come to get what it truly is a little bit later on. And they may also, I mean, it may not really matter until the summer because after you, you still have that other portal period where they may add some more guys, but right to me and this, uh, it seems like the class is better at the top end. And I like to look at kind of who are you beating for these players and who's who's giving them legitimate offers? Now, maybe by the end they kind of recruit over them, but these guys had legitimate offers at P five schools for most of the process. So that's pretty good, I think. And I, I don't think I, I don't think your recruiting would have been quite as well with a potential lame duck coach uh, going into year four, having one, you know, maybe an extra game. So let's give them two games. I, I don't. I don't think your recruiting would have skyrocketed off that. Right. Yeah. Um, I know that there was a question from 
earlier that was asked, um, kind of comparing how, and I, I think this is a good conversation to have as well. I know we're at an hour, but you know, comparing how this transition class was compared to Jeff Scott's first uh, classes transition class, um, and kind of how they stack up against each other, not just in, in philosophy, but also you know metric wise. You know, I think you're looking at two very different styles because of two very different introductions into the program where Jeff Scott, as I mentioned, was kind of just filling, you know, scholarship counts at that point, trying to get guys right. in regardless of who they were. Meanwhile, you know, Golish, while looking at the scholarship count as well, realized immediate needs and, you know, you can kind of say, okay, yeah, they needed to, um, you know, get some offensive linemen in there, but you know, you were still able to pull some good guys from that transition class from Jeff Scott's, um, you know, Brian T kind of your, your, your crown kingpin there. Um, oh man, looking back, sorry, looking back at this and holy smokes, it is not great. Right. Cause it was, there was again, not, a bunch of- and that's, that was kind of one of our things of why are they not getting a lot better? Cause that first class, they did not have very many impact players. Jeff Scott's first class. I mean, who so was the you- most impactful guy? Brian Batie, and he was a holdover. Like, who's the guy that like, Scott went out and got that was impactful? Tremel Logan, Mario Dawson. But Dawson kind of ended up never really getting there. Holden Willis was kind of coming on late. He was um, this year. If, if we're talking straight up high school, or do you want transfers as well? Because I think Trey Jacobs is up there. But he was like super late. Like he wasn't even in that first initial period. Didn't he? Didn't he transfer like right before the season? Something uh, bizarre because it was weird that he was playing yeah, he was in Notre Dame. Late. Yeah, he like transferred during camp or something almost. It he transferred like, in July 29th, twenty twenty two. Yes, he came in super late. So that was uh, an if I yeah, no, it was a great pick. academics thing. Yeah, um, yeah. Just kind of looking back at this. I mean, this is. Uh, basically looking back at Charlie Strong's transition class as well. So here uh, they're rough. And this is why I, you know, kind of say transition classes are always tough. So being able to um, get the kind of quality that he got. So the highest ranked high school recruit just got scored coming out in that transition class was Trey Marsh at a 85, five, eight. Um, and then his next highest was Jordan Smith. Sorry, Stieg. Uh Ben Knox. So just kind of going down. I'm just going to go down the list of these transition guys. Trey Marsh, big arm, never really put it together. Now he's hurt. Jordan Smith transferred out. Ben Knox, injury prone, hasn't been able to put it together. Mario Dawson transferred out. Tramel Logan, I think, is probably in a better shape to be more impactful in this kind of defense as an edge rusher, uh, Cesar Reyes transferred out. Mac Harris moved the linebacker is going to be in the mix. Uh, Chris Townsell kind of got lost in the shuffle after his freshman year. And that's one that he's still trying to work his way back in. Uh, AJ Hamilton, same thing. Levante Camille stopped playing football altogether. Uh, Brian Batie is now at Auburn. Big win there. Holden Willis at middle Tennessee. Uh, Sion Tatupo. Uh, I think he stopped playing football. Too many kids. Well, he too left. He he too never he never got here. Right? He had too many kids. Never never too even got here. Uh, Uriah Green pocket. is is Uriah Green on the? I don't even think he's on the roster. No, I think he, he transferred, transferred out. to like South Carolina Upstate or something. 
Um, sincere Brown transferred out. Uh, Trey Jacobs graduated. TJ Robinson still on the roster. Darren Felix graduated. Brinkman graduated. <laughs> I'm Thad, about so Thad Mangum graduated and is now a GA. Uh, Alex Valet uh, transferred out. Devin Gill. Did he play? The linebacker. No, he never from made it to campus. Never made it to campus. Uh, Noah Johnson. Rip. Just one of the 14 quarterbacks that they used that year. Jared Sackett couldn't beat out Spencer Schrader. Uh, Bo Peak never made it. Yes, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, Bo Peak never made it to campus. Kate Fortin's now at Arkansas, but not in the traditional way of, hey, he played up and got to Arkansas. Uh, he did throw a touchdown then, against LSU. He did. So, like, that. that is a rough – rough transition class and then let's look back at charlie strong's that would be the 2017 class let me know uh so natron culpepper transferred out Kayvon dingle got dismissed uh for uh things rape rape allegations that uh the case got dismissed um and he is now suing uh, the university for violation of his rights. So that's still up in the air. Uh, G Marcellus transferred out. Nick Roberts transferred out. Mitch Harris. Lord. Played 17 years. Uh, <laughs> Jabril Stevens transferred out. Bentley Sanders transferred out. Jannard Phillips transferred out. Randall St. Felix was asked politely to leave. Uh, Fred Lloyd transferred out. Darren Grant graduated Mikhaila point still playing somehow right or did he graduate he graduated graduated uh kirsten johnson transferred out donnell thomas transferred out jeremiah stafford transferred out kevin kegler graduated chauncey smart barely made it to campus he was the track star uh duran bell that is an unfortunate one that dude was going to be awesome towards acl ended up at alabama state AKA transferred out. Uh, Kelvin Pinckney graduated. Uh, they've got Dave Small, who was a walk on. Uh, Bryce Miller transferred transferred out. Troy Fields, <laughs> AJ Franco, Andrew Mims, Cody Gentry. Like Andrew Mims transferred. Bruh. I think he did. Bruh, those two transfer classes are horrendous, and you wonder why the team's depth sucked and why the teams have sucked for six years. It's you can't whiff that poorly year one. You just can't do it. it there's no coming back from that. It's so your foundation. It, it truly is. It's this is, this is the start of getting your guys in place and that's what you bring in. Good luck to you. Good luck. And, 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 and there's some of those guys that, you know, if strong stays might stay and maybe, there's not as much turnover and it's a little bit not the bottom doesn't fall out quite as bad, but that's the other part of like coaching transitions guys leave. You're, you're seeing that this year, all the receivers left, but it seems like they did a good job of kind of trying to replace those guys yeah. and try to replace their skill sets too. And so this is, this is Taggart's transition class we've talked about. So Charlie, Charlie strong had a winning culture coming into and that was his transition class jeff scott did not have a winning culture willie taggart clearly did not have a winning culture coming into it so this was his transition class the 2013 class uh mike white transferred out turns out he's an nfl quarterback uh lamar robbins i think he got dismissed if i'm not mistaken but he was a 
vital part of the defense for quite a while. Derek Calloway, I fairly certain couldn't make it to campus. I think he got Hillsborough on the uh, Harvard on the Hillsborough. Uh, Deidre Sanat seems like he's an NFL player. Uh, Dominique Threat was a just an absolute stalwart at offensive line during like the fun years at USF. Nigel Harris was an off uh, NFL player. Uh, Kennard Swanson, uh, just another guy who would have been fantastic if he had, he had some addiction issues that kind of overtook him that led him to being kicked off the team. Uh, Jeremy Hall, another top notch offensive lineman, uh, Stefan McCray injuries kind of sapped him. Nate Godwin, one of like the OG guys of the, the bull sharks, I think. And now he's like on OnlyFans, So good for him. Um, Cam Ruff, He was a Remington ward, uh, semifinalist, uh, Eric, Mays went from defensive end to your starting left tackle. Um, Ramon Swain, I don't think he even made it to campus from Butler. Mitchell Wright, uh, same thing. Mike Love, NFL player. Darius Whitty didn't make it. Uh, Hassan Childs got kicked off the team for uh, shooting into a car. Uh, Darius Tice, big fan of him. Zach Benjamin, uh, he transferred out. Bruce Hector, another NFL guy. Johnny Ward is still floating in space after Nick Sharga uh, sent him. Uh, in 2016, uh, Toro Safford, uh, pretty good. Emilio, Emilio Nadelman, top-notch kicker, one of the best ones we've had in the last like 15 years. Augie Sanchez, I don't know what he's been up to, but he's the all-time leading tackler at USF history. That's Willie Taggart's transition class. Seminole. That's what That's he's a, doing. And that, le- that leads to success. I think there was five NFL guys on that transition class. That's how you do it. So That's, if, pretty, that, that's pretty good. If this goalish class can do that, we're in good shape. If it's anything like Charlie Strong or Jeff Scott's, then we'll know in about two years. Oh, man, we're about to have to hit the reset button again, aren't we? Yeah. And with and with that. Uh, it's, it's all starting to make sense, isn't it? It's, it's, it's yeah. so weird. If you don't when I'm, when I'm guys when I end up in the NFL – when I, when I, me as someone that wasn't really paying attention back then, knows more of the names you listed from the Taggart class than the Strong class and almost the Jeff Scott class when I was paying attention. Uh, that, that says something. Yes. Yes, it does. No. I think, I think Kolish is closer to Taggart than he is, uh, Strong and or Jeff Scott. I think they both have a swagger to them that I think is needed as a young head coach. I think it resonates with these players. You don't need, you can't be a stiff. And if you are a stiff, you better come from a winning culture, a winning team, and you better have the logo behind it to make it matter. And that's why Jeff Scott failed, and that's why Charlie Strong failed. He's a, he was a stiff. Nice guy, but a stiff. But with that, we've gone an hour and 11 minutes. We swore we were only going to do like 30, 45. But here we are once again, giving you more content than ever expected. Uh, it's been a fun ride through this signing period. Um, we'll have more for, for spring ball coming up in like a month. Uh, for now, it's winter workouts, making sure they get these hashtag gains, and we'll uh, we'll keep you updated with everything else going on. Um, Seek, I don't know when you and Vito are doing the weekend roundup or the athletics roundup. We'll have that figured out and announced at some point. Um, yeah, but we'll have that at some point this week, if not 
Sunday. Um, we get to talk I'm, about a men's basketball win. That's exciting. How about it? I yeah, don't ne- don't look into the numbers. Nearly blew a twenty three point lead, but other than that, it was great. It was it was a win. <laughs> <laughs> All right, for Seth, Steve, I have been get Nathan. In. Thanks for tuning in. Get in the Discord. Get in the freaking Discord. We're at, we're been- over one hundred twenty people in there now. Uh, good community forming there. Uh, no uh, no a holes just yet. So. No trolls. It's it's like the best parts of Twitter without the trolls. It's it's really good stuff. Constant flow of communication. Um, today was a really really good day in there. I th- that we had a ton of messages in the recruiting side. Uh, Steve and Sean have been all over this cycle. They called some of this stuff a week ago, two weeks ago. Um, so if you're in there, but today shouldn't have been the first day you heard about these guys. So. Jump in there, get inside info like that. Uh, it's we're having a lot of fun in there. So, yep, and it's it's grown quite a bit. Started it less than a month ago. We're over one twenty now, and it just keeps going. So, yep, absolutely. I appreciate it, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining on, I, Andrew. I appreciate it. this court is legit. You said it last night, and you'll say it again. Damn straight. Uh, thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Bloom Naughty Podcast. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. Go Bulls!